another edition of the College Gridiron Showcase Watchlist Show. Tracking the top NFL draft prospects on the planet each and every week. Brought to you by the NFL Draft Bible. Broadcasting around the globe. With your hosts, Joe Everett, Justin Gamble, and me, the R.I.C. Rick Saratella. We are on air. About that time again, the football season is here. We're back at it again. It's college football season. We got the triple play in full effect. Of course, the NFL Draft Bible on location the following three days, but it's college football season the next three days. We got football action tonight. We got football action tomorrow. Of course, we got the big week one opener on Saturday. We got some big time explosive matchups. In fact, I can. I can definitely say without a doubt that there's never been an opening week matchup quite like the one we're going to see with FSU at Alabama in the history of college football. That's right. It's the biggest opening week in the history of college football. Of course, Michigan at Florida. We'll talk about all those games. We'll have the FCS report. We'll do all that and more. But first, let me introduce you to the stars of our show. Uh, I am your host, Rick Saratella, founder of the NFL Draft Bible. Joined with me today, I have Joe Everett, the director of college football scouting. Say hello to the people, Joseph. What up? (laughs) And Joe and I were just talking about the cold mornings, the cold evenings. It's football weather. We don't care that summer's over. And, of course, uh, this man certainly doesn't care because with the end of August, the beginning of September, starts the signaling of college football season, which means the College Gridiron Showcase is in full throttle, folks. And this man right here brings it to you. He is the co-founder of the fourth annual College Gridiron Showcase and Symposium in Addison, Texas. It will be held January 6th through the 10th. So get your flights, book them now. More information, cgsallstar.com. We welcome him to the show. Jose Jefferson, how are we doing today? Good, how are you? Oh man, we're just we're all amped up. We got the uh, college football season starting, man. You know, I'll be on site tonight with the FCS matchup at Wagner. Then we got big time football tomorrow with Washington coming to Jersey over here with Rutgers. We got Penn State action, Whew. and we got scouting calls with the College Gridiron Showcase. Our watch list is forming. We are getting our agenda in intact with our scouting trails, but Jose, you know, since it is week one of the college gridiron or college football season, I want to update people with what the college gridiron showcase is all about. All of our first time listeners, our new listeners, if you're just discovering us now and finding out about us and want to hop on board for the rest of the college football season, uh, Jose is going to explain to you a little bit more about what the college gridiron showcase is, why it's such a unique all-star event and uh, some other things. But Jose, Please, the floor is yours. Jose, are you with us? Yep, sorry. <laughs> um, I had you muted here, but nope, we're, we, we started with some real humble beginnings with CGS, and, um, you know, we we were really Craig, Craig Red, who's, who's my partner, co-founder, and myself, really just wanted to do something to benefit the the players that really don't get the love that they should or, or the the view, the looks that that a lot of the bigger time players get. So we we tried to start a game per se and, and we we tried to emulate so much of everybody else that quite honestly at the end of the day I really wasn't happy with the first year's product, which is why we you know we went back to like they say, went back to formula, you know, went back to the lab and redid the thing the way we wanted to do it. And mainly we wanted to, to put a product out there that nobody does. And I think we've succeeded in the last two years going into our third year with the new formula of basically making it more of a networking combine type of experience um, minus the testing. So we, we, we picked up an all-star group, obviously, like everybody else does, but the, the main niche was picking up the secondary group of guys that may not have gotten a look. Um, you know, I, I ran track in college. I played um, football part-time. I would probably easily be in that second group. Uh, the only thing that differentiated me was my speed, but I would have never gotten into an event like the Senior Bowl, NFLPA, 
Shrine Bowl, even the Blue-Gray game. I would never have gotten into an event like that. But now if I was 25, 26 years younger, yes, I would have probably would have qualified for CGS, um, maybe on the all-star level, but for sure on the select level. So but doing that, we eliminated the game because nobody wants to play that game. Even at the Senior Bowl, nobody wants to play that game. They just want to see guys in game-type situations, and, and that's from research from the NFL scouts, the GMs, that the game tape is valuable, but since those kids don't want to really put everything into that game, it's mostly they want to see how they compete, you know, when, when, it's, when they're on the spot, um, you know, because if you watch those games, if the ball's not going to the guy or going to a certain side, guys take those plays off. So we just wanted to put kids in a situation of a live scrimmage, um, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15 plays of each player, and that that's going to be good enough. You know, I mean, we didn't want to teach them an offense that they're going to forget in less than 24 hours. We, we script everything, and, and we, we make sure they, they get their best foot forward. But the main difference with us is we have created a combine-type atmosphere. We are, to date, the only postseason event with scheduled interviews with NFL personnel. Uh, we dedicate a whole day to that, and then the next two days afterwards are pretty, you know, spot on for the interviews as well. But that first day, that Sunday, is nine hours of interview time with all 32 teams and all 170 players, which nobody can boast that. Um, also, by size, 170 players with two groups, we are the largest postseason all-star game in the country. And so we, we pride ourselves in, in doing those things and, and being different. And, um, you know, the NFL, is, 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 it's been around for, you know, 80, 90 years, and they've always been on tradition. But as you see now, they're, they're hiring women in the coaching ranks. They're, they're changing up a little bit. And this is an ideal time for us to come in with changes and they have been received with great reviews. And, and right now we get calls all the time um, from not only other football events, but other sports on how we do what we do. So um, I'm very excited for this year. We've moved from Bedford because we outgrew um, our digs in Bedford, which is a great city. But we're in Addison, Texas now. We were just there not even a month ago. And it's going to be a great event, and I'm really, really excited with what's coming up. Yeah, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head there just to follow up on what you said with the combine-type atmosphere because that really, truly is what it feels like, especially that first day where, you know, listen, we're, we're taking the practice out of the first day. In fact, it's just eight hours of intense NFL interviews. And – you know, players are meeting with teams and, you know, 30 of the 32 NFL teams, I think it was 111 NFL scouts, 130-plus with all the CFL teams. But when you think about it and you consider that, you know, in three years there's currently, you know, 90-plus players right now on NFL rosters, I would probably guess another 90 guys were, were in rookie camp or, or uh, tryout type of basis. But – when you think about we only had – it's true, we only had three players selected in the draft, but I think about 50 guys from this past year's event are currently on NFL rosters. So what we've done is kind of cornered that priority free agent, day three kind of player, and provided a combine type of atmosphere for the NFL teams on that first day and throughout the week. And then, of course, the style is, is an OTA style of format, which leads me into the next – transition here Jose you, you mentioned some of the changes already I know you mentioned the, the game was the first year you switched some things up it's more of an OTA style of format you take the feedback from the scouts and what they want to see and and really you know take re very valuable input from people that really we're, we're catering to the NFL and not not other too many other events are going to do that but what are some of the changes here uh, for the upcoming 2018 event and any other news and updates that we should be aware of? Um, you know, we, the, there's some subtle changes. 
um, we still have the free agent event. That's the that's the other caveat with CGS is that we host a free agent event um, on that Saturday. But what we're going to do with the practice is we're going to cut the practices down to an hour. Um, and that was, like I said, taking feedback from postseason evaluations. Um, and then the scrimmage on Wednesday is going to be uh, a 40-minute scrimmage for each group. You know, actually, I should say 45-minute um, scrimmage for each group plus uh, a 45-minute extra team or a special team um, segment as well. So we will wrap up pretty quick on that Wednesday but a lot of the scouts were just saying as long as those guys could get, like, two or three full series in, four downs, 12 plays right around there, they're good with it. So that that's kind of one of the subtle changes. Um, obviously, the big change is going to, to Addison, um, which is huge. It's a great, great spot so far that, that we've, we looked at, and, and I, I, can't, I can't say enough about how they've treated us since we've been there. But um, I wanted to add on one thing about our differences is that we, we really don't leave the kids on the curb, per se. Um, when you go to those other games, you're there for a week, they love you up, whatever, and, you know, then you're gone. Um, the reason why we, we have the free agent event is for a lot of CGS alum who want to get a second look, number one. Number two, the um, – we're going to open up what we call the vendor village, and that's that's kind of new this year. And it's all of our vendors um, are going to be in a designated area to be able to promote their products, talk to players, have a place for players to go while they're waiting for interviews or in between practices and whatnot. And and not only is that vendor village for uh, players, you know, to look at products, it's also a job um, scouting opportunity as well. You know, we have financial advisors there. We have major corporations there. So, you know, we we tell the kids all the time, you know, if you want to work out or need a workout, call us. You want a coach, call us. You need a job, call us. So we are very much in tune with the guys and their well-being, not just going there, getting you to, to practice a little bit, and then, you know, send you on your way. We we still I still keep in contact with guys from the first year um, of CGS and have helped them with uh, different opportunities, whether it be CFL, indoor football. We we try to make that that continuation with them as best as we can. But um, outside of that, like I said, the the facility is different. It's we're on a high school campus, Green Hill School. It's a huge campus with a, a bunch of practice fields, and and we'll have that opportunity there uh, with them as well. But um, we're we're still rolling with what's worked, you know, with what we've done for the last couple of years and, and have built upon it. Um, the the other thing I want to mention is the scouting seminar. Um, I think that's going to be huge. We, we've gotten great feedback with that so far. And what we are planning on doing is we're going to have, I think, two former NFL scouts run a scouting seminar for basically anybody who's up w- willing and able and wanting to know about that world. And um, we really kind of put it out there um, just to see how people would react to that. And it is, it's probably going to be a lot bigger than what we've planned on it to be. So I'm really excited to see how that works out. Um, but it's, it's going to be a great event. So anybody who is in that area, um, really, really needs to come and, and check it out. We're we're open to the public. We don't charge the public anything to attend. All we ask is that you get credentialed up so we know that you belong and that you're here to to check out our event. You know, I'm excited to hear that about the scouting seminar series because uh, that's one thing I know people will get to experience with former uh, scouts as well as the NFL Draft Bible scouting team. They'll, they'll get the on-field scouting experience with, with us and kind of um, see how we go about our business. So uh, with that being said, Jose, before we let you go, anybody who wants more information on the College Gridiron Showcase, scouting opportunities, uh, sponsorship opportunities, player nominations, or anything of the above, how should they go about contacting you? 
You can go to the website, www.cgsallstar.com, or you can email us at info at cgsallstar.com. Um, also, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty – our numbers are on the website as well, um, and, and we're pretty easy to get a hold of. You can go to my Facebook at Jose Jefferson on my Facebook. Drop me a message there. I, I usually check that about once a day um, as well. So we're always available, always open to to opportunities and people looking to get involved. And there's trust me, there's plenty of things to get involved with and plenty of things still yet to do. There's no doubt about that, Jose. Appreciate your time. I'm sure we'll be chatting soon and uh, keep you posted with all this great football action over the weekend. You bet. Thank you very much. Be safe out there this weekend. And I'm really excited about this weekend. I can't wait to get home from work tonight to watch Ohio State and Indiana. Awesome game. Oh, yeah. Somebody's already putting uh, Ohio State on upset alert. I see out there in the Twitterverse. Uh, We go back over to Joe Everett, who's been waiting patiently with us. And, Joe, you know, I don't know about you, but one of the things I really like about the, the College Gridiron Showcase and working with those guys, and, and Jose touched on it. That was Jose Jefferson, co-founder of the College Gridiron Showcase, along with Craig Red. He touched on it, the, the support system these guys have, because it does kick off the draft season. And, you know, uh, I know David Rivers was a guy you picked up right from the FCS championship, and then he comes and plays right into our all-star event. And, and there's a lot of players in that similar situation, whether they're coming from bowl games, the season just ended, but a lot of players have yet to even select an agent, choose where they're going to train. And you take guys like Jose, who's been in the league, who's played professional. You take Craig, who's been an NFL agent for 15 years. You take guys like you and me who know who all the agents and trainers are so these players are getting really hands-on advising in terms of the draft process because it is January. And, and like Jose said, I still stay in contact with these guys all, during the off-season, during the season, whatever they need. They need advice. They run into a situation, as Chris Shanafelt can tell you, if they got a problem, they hit us up and we, we try to help these guys out <laughs> as best that we can. <laughs> My man, Christian, in the advice department, there is no rival, and that's definitely what we do. We cater to the players. Uh, When we meet your schedule, we just want you at the event. We want you there learning. And uh, just like Jose brought up, it doesn't matter if you're a coach, scout, whatever, there's something for you here to basically learn. We're all workshopping. We're all trying to get better, and I think that's what CGS is all about. Yeah, no doubt. And we're all about the college football season. Uh, Jose mentioned – Ohio State and Indiana tonight. Uh, we have um, Wagner, FCS, oddly, on location in action for that. Uh, we have a hell of a, hell of a matchup on Saturday, Joe, with FSU and Alabama and Michigan and Florida, which we're going to talk about. But since we brought up that Ohio State matchup, any thoughts here? I know that's your, your territory. Any thoughts or impressions here as we kick off the season? Well, that's my personal game of the week. Uh, that we was going to get to, and I've been boring you and Justin and Sam and Christian about this since Bedford, baby. Kevin Wilson, (laughs) I couldn't shut up about him getting hired at Columbus, and really, to me, this is his revenge game. Not only a revenge game for him, I'm hearing some of those players have just, they want nothing more than to beat Ohio State and stuff it back to Kevin Wilson, so the element of surprise there, but of any game, I mean, we're kind of isolated to the seniors, guys we'd like to see on the watch list and stuff. There's just a ton on both sides of the ball here. I mean, JT Barrett, I don't know if he's an NFL QB, maybe plays wide receiver, but the tight end Marcus Baugh up against a tough defense here. His blocking is going to be key. Uh, solid pass rush he's going against. So how he interacts with T-Gray Scales out in coverage, both seniors there, uh, Billy Price, All-American at guard. Now he's playing center. And then that, that offensive tackle, Jamarco Jones. I mean, OSU's just littered. Uh, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, Taekwon Lewis at defensive end. Uh, it really says something about your overall talent level when uh, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa's little brother, don't even start. So that's uh, definitely Taekwon Lewis is uh, going to be looked at. One player I'm 
a little skeptical on Demon Webb, the strong safety for OSU. Um, I saw his Oklahoma game, and wow, you want to talk about taking some terrible angles on the ball, just not recognizing routes, uh, missed a tackle on Mark Andrews, got fooled by a wide receiver reverse, just a lot of stuff to where it's like, man, kid, you've got a step to take or two before we see in the league. So I'm hoping Demon Webb picks his game up and, you know, IU's always got the running game, so that'll be a good challenge. And then IU, we just talked about it the last episode, Rick. Uh, Richard Fant, uh, the corner they've got, like I've said, I think he's a little grabby. I don't know that he is just that uh, stick-with-you, highly athletic guy. He's more of a pesky-type corner. And then Tigray Scales is Mr. Everything for the Hoosiers, leading tackler, leading sackler. Um, I think he, he drives the team on the bus to the games. He's very reminiscent of a... Tavis Brown, when he was playing for Akron uh, in the MAC, and now he's playing for the Chargers. I think T. Gray Scales got a lot of that uh, to his game. And I guess at IU, let's not forget Griffin Oaks, the kicker, uh, senior. It seems like he's been in Bloomington for the last seven years, but uh, this is his final year of eligibility. So, really, uh, the free safety, Tony Fields, Greg Gooch on the DL. And then I didn't even bring up Richard Lago, Lago, however he wants to say it today. Uh, huge kid. Prototype size, big arm. It's just uh, where he's placing balls. Can he make it all? Uh, can he throw receivers open? I don't see the nuances there. So, Lago, uh, he's more of an athlete, but uh, this year is uh, a huge challenge for him. And, you know, Greg Schiano coaching up this defense, that is that is nice tape to have. If Lego has a big game, he can uh, plop that right on the highlight reel because this is still a heck of a OSU Buckeye defense. And, yeah. Just can't speak highly enough, Rick, about this coaching staff. Uh, Urban Meyer doesn't get it done last year, so he's got Shiano running his defense. I'm going to go get Kevin Wilson, an offensive guru, every stop he's been. Uh, OSU is out for blood this year. Love the uh, breakdown. Uh, tremendous, tremendous preview of, of what's to come tonight. And, man, I'm all excited now just listening to you uh, Talk about it, Joe, and, and you know, we're going to keep it Big Ten because you mentioned Greg Ciano, and sometimes I wonder how ironic it is because him and Chris Ash pretty much flip-flopped places where, you know, Ash is now the head coach at Rutgers coming over as the defensive coordinator there at Ohio State, and I wonder if it's an upgrade for Ohio State with Ciano. I mean, he really brings another element in my opinion, but in any case, Chris Ash is – in year two of his rebuilding program. And since it is week one, I try not to bore you with my New Jersey Rutgers football talk, Joe, but you know, Hey, it's a clean slate. We have lots of aspirations here in the garden state and, you know, Washington is coming to town, a potential national championship contender. And there's a lot of prospects in this game that we're going to be keeping our eye on. And, you know, we'll start with Rutgers there with what Chris Ash has done because, you know, he figures, listen, my recruiting class, it's going to take a few more years until those guys mature or are able to play uh, and get into the rotation. Now, what he did do was recruit some graduate transfers. And, you know, we can't talk about the sophomore tight end that won a starting job from Syracuse, Jerome Washington, but he's another one of those transfers. But the seniors, Joe, I mean, Kyle Bolin from Louisville, uh, this guy's come over three-man quarterback competition. Kyle Bowen came in and basically uh, beat everybody in this competition. And, you know, Chris Ash basically said he's very mature, has uh, great intelligence, has picked up the offense, and he's earned the respect of his teammates very, very quickly here. You can tell uh, he's no stranger to big-time football, three and two, as a starter in Louisville, backed up uh, Lamar Jackson there, seen action in about 15 games, uh, does, you know, smart decision-making, doesn't turn over the ball much, has yet to fumble in his collegiate career, which is a great thing here when you're talking records football. So Kyle Bolin, he was a big four-star recruit coming out of high school, didn't exactly pan out how, you know, Louisville planned there, but a guy that's still – is scraping the surface on what his potential can be. And now that he's going to get a chance to start there at Rutgers, they've brought in, like I said, a lot of transfer guys, such as uh, a wide receiver that he'll be throwing to from, from uh, Arkansas, Damon Mitchell, a six foot two guy that 
he'll be used on end arounds and, and maybe in the backfield and uh, kick returns. But they also, Joe, brought in a running back from the U, the University of Miami, that is Gus Edwards. And Gus Edwards here has beaten out Robert Martin for the starting running back job. Now, if you've followed our shows in the past uh, here on Block Talk Radio, if you followed the NFL draft, well, you know if, since Robert Martin's uh, bowl performance his freshman season, you know I'm a big fan of Robert Martin. Last year they got away from, you know, uh, the more traditional style of offense where I thought, you know, Robert Martin was better suited with a fullback. They are going to implement – a fullback, H-back type of position back on the offense this year with Jerry Kill taking over as the offensive coordinator. So this is going to be a two-headed monster back there. And I'll even throw in Josh Hicks. And, and, and you know, you're saying who? Well, Josh Hicks is a very good running back, a short yardage guy. Uh, actually, ironically, he's a very small stature kind of guy, but a guy who pushes the pile, really thrived a few years back. And if they want it to be, it'll be an earth, wind, and fire type of backfield here in Rutgers. And while, you know, I don't know if any of these guys are going to get drafted, I think they're all going to get a look at the next level, which makes them very potential candidates for the College Gridiron Showcase. Now, wide receiver Janarian Grant, we talked about him on last year's show, Joe. He went down to a leg injury, ended his season early. Uh, he's back with the medical redshirt season. And, you know, I think he's going to be probably the most dynamic player on this Rutgers offense. If any player on this team is going to get drafted, it's probably Janarian Grant. His special teams and returnability is the X factor. And if he can prove that he's 100% healthy, back to full form, tests well, uh, there's, an, there's an outside chance he does get selected. And Rutgers has had some wide receivers, whether it be Leontay Carew, Kenny Britt, Andrew Terzilli, who just signed with the Giants, uh, Andre Patton, I see, with the Raiders. Even Carlton Algadosi making some noise with the Arizona Cardinals. Listen, Rutgers has put some wide receivers at the next level. And NFL teams love these Rutgers free agents. They've they've always been well coached. Two more guys or three more guys uh, for the Scarlet Knights. Sebastian Joseph, a defensive line that, you know, the team is really expecting to uh, take the next step and be a, a real leader on that defensive front. And then we mentioned all these transfers, Joe. I mean, you really need a media guy to keep up with this year's Rutgers football team. But remember this one, Ryan Anderson, an intriguing punter who has transferred from Division Three Olivet. And last year he set the D3 single-season punching record for 462 yards per punting average. Uh, He had 18 punts that went more than 50 yards. Also, you know, listen, he doesn't just have the boot, but the directional pinpoint accuracy, 15 punts landed inside the 20-yard line. So, you know, when he's not boom-basting them over your head, he's pinning you down inside the 20. And, you know, the the, the year before, he, I mean, he's led D3 in punting average and net punting average, and now he's going to be on this Big Ten stage. It wouldn't surprise me, Joe, if this guy winds up in an all-star event. He is Ryan Anderson from Rutgers. Now, you know, they are playing, you might not know it from my Rutgers explanation, but they are playing one of the national championship contenders, uh, the Washington Huskies. They have an abundance of underclassmen. They also have some star-studded seniors, guys on the offensive side of the ball, like LeVon Coleman at running back, wide receiver Dante Pettis stepping in uh, for that John Ross uh, void. You know, those guys are probably most likely going to get senior bowl shrine game invites, as are their linebackers, uh, Keyshawn Vieira and Azim Victor. Now, Azim Victor has been suspended for this first game, you know, I'm not quite sure how that's going to impact his draft status. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but definitely uh, an intriguing factor entering the game. Center Coleman Shelton is a guy, uh, lunch bucket goes about his business. You don't hear too much about him or his teammate on the other side of the ball, Greg Gaines, defensive tackle who plays next to Vita Vey. But this guy, Greg Gaines, is also – I'm going to get a look at the next level. So those are some guys I'm looking at. And I know 
Justin Gamble, shout out to him, who's a big uh, fan of the Komoko Dragon. He wasn't able to join us on the show today, but I know Justin brought up Komoko Ture uh, on a previous show. And, you know, since since we mentioned him on the, on the show, Joe, I don't think he's yet to practice. And, you know, Coach Ash said he has been cleared for the game. That remains to be determined. We shall see if he sees action. But, again, the disappointment for this player, strong offseason, strong OTA, strong first half of training camp. We've talked about the athleticism, the pass rushing ability, the, the field goal blocks and punt blocks. I think he has about seven or eight of them. But Kamoku Ture just continues to struggle to stay on the field. Just can't make the club in the tub, and that's unfortunate for <laughs> Ture. And it's it's always just in flashes too. Like you mentioned, these big plays, the field goal blocks, the the sack. He'll just he'll give you that wow sack, and then you may not hear from him for three games. So that's that's the worst part about him because you know he's got the talent. It's just finding a way to manage his body and, and just get back and rehabilitate. And but shout out to Chris Ash recruiting Division three punters. Talk about not leaving the stone unturned. I'm I'm loving that guy right there. Um, and then, just, as you mentioned, because uh, it, it's worth repeating every time, Janorian Grant, he's going to get drafted. You don't make three-time all-conference uh, returner for, for uh, on accident. So, yeah, if, if a team's got that day three pick and they really need some actual explosion and a dynamic returner, that's that, that's Grant in spades because, like you said, if he's right and gets that leg fixed, uh, there is no reason he should not be drafted. Yeah, I, I've always been a fan of his game. And, yeah, Olivet College, wherever you are out there, we're going to find out once Ryan Anderson gets that all-star game invite. Scouts are going to have to do their due diligence, and we are doing our due diligence like we do each and every week here at the 2018 Codswood Iron Showcase Watchlist Show, our 35th show, Joe, dating back to last year. We're just moving and grooving. Uh, we had 26 episodes last year. We've done um, a positional preview series for those of you just tuning in, just finding out about our show. You know, hey, it's Thursday. You might be listening to this on Friday or Saturday morning. You want thirsty for more NFL draft talk. We did a whole positional preview series. You can find us on iTunes here on blog talk radio, check out the archives. Of course, we'll have them up on the NFL draft Bible website, but uh, Joe, let's talk about these big, big time uh, marquee matchups, the parabolic performance and rehab marquee matchup of the week. Brought to you by GoParabolic.com. Check out the new world-class training facility at Sportica Sports in Manalapan, New Jersey. Largest training facility on the East Coast. And I'll be excited about the upcoming 2018 NFL draft prep for that parabolic performance and rehab. But the marquee matchups, Joe, we teased it at the intro. Um, Let's save FSU and Alabama for last because there's just so much to get to in that game and focus on this Michigan at Florida game. You don't see uh, two powerhouses from different conferences matching up like this week one of the regular season. You know, a ton of, you know, Michigan's replacing a whole defense, 11 uh, I think 10 of the 11 starters will be new faces on the defensive side of the ball for Michigan. Obviously not a lot of seniors to look out for on either side of the ball, but who are some of the players here in this matchup that you're keeping an eye on? Well, for Michigan, uh, it, it is, it's slim pickings. Uh, I mean, they had so much, they were hit so hard by graduation last year and they're dependent on a ton of underclassmen, but my favorite player on the entire Wolverines roster is Mason Cole. Uh, I think he transitions as a guard, maybe center at the next level. He's played offensive tackle since the day he was a true frosh, set foot on campus. Since he left Florida, he's been starting for uh, Jimmy Harbaugh, and I think that's a guy just has a ton of value wherever you're going to put him at the next level because of his experience, playing in a pro-style scheme. And back uh, this season, he's going to be back at left tackle, 
So once again, you're going to get to see him against a lot of quality pass rushers. And, of course, this game's no exception with Florida and uh, Zuniga, the sophomore, C.C. Jefferson, another underclassman. I mean, you know Florida's always got talent rolling out. But on the defensive side of the ball, they still have a couple of seniors left. I mean, namely Maurice Hurst. He could have declared last year a uh, big-time prep prospect. And I think uh, – Boy, Harbaugh's counting his lucky stars that Hurst came back because they need at least one kind of veteran lineman to get everybody in line, get your ducks in a row. And yes, for Sean Gary, he's going to be a star, but having Hurst uh, being sort of that coach on the field is going to be, I think, invaluable uh, for the Wolverines this year. And uh, there's a lot of talent on that Florida offensive line. Uh, speaking with Martez Ivy, a uh, member of the top 100 on the NFL prospectus, so. Uh, that should be a really uh, nice matchup. I think those two will definitely go mono and mono. And then they've got uh, a returning starter, Mike McCray, their weak side linebacker. I think uh, he, he's a real solid player. He missed all of 2015 with an injury, but came back. I think he made. He's got to be Michigan's uh, re- leading returning tackler. So uh, they'll definitely be counting on him a lot. And I know Jordan Scarlett got uh, suspended for this game. Actually, what, who, what Florida player hasn't been suspended, but they still do have uh, Michael Pirine, uh, Samaje's little brother, running the ball. So watching McCray chase him around, watching him chase Goolsby, the uh, senior tight end that Florida has, those will be some real nice matchups. And then I guess on Florida, it's another team. I'm sorry, they're just – studded with uh, all these uh, the underclassmen. So that's the tough part about this matchup. And then also keeping track of these suspensions, who's going to play. But I mentioned him, uh, Goolsby. He's the, the sort of stud senior out there. And then um, on the other side of the ball, they still have Marcel Harris, the linebacker. He's another, I think he led, he's their leading returning tackler because they lost so much to defense with Anthony and May and, oh, uh, Davis, the, whoever the Lions drafted. So, Plenty of opportunities for this footage out there, and this is another one. Quality competitors, you know Michigan's going to run the heck out of the ball, so watching Harris chase those guys down. And then um, I guess the last one, not to be forgetting punters here, uh, senior punter Johnny Townsend is two-time All-SEC, so where he does, the, the, how, how he's doing in the position battle, that's going to be something to watch. But it's tough with Florida and Michigan because we're, we're talking about maybe six, eight guys, and then there's a lot of youngins uh, for both mm-hmm. uh, McIlwain and Harbaugh running out there on the field. Well, you know, Joe, Florida had an interesting transfer, you know, in uh, former Notre Dame quarterback Malik Zaire, and, you know, people would argue that he couldn't hold on or maintain that fighting Irish starting job due to some of his poor decision-making. Well, looks like his decision to transfer transfer to Florida also a bad choice because yesterday uh, head coach Jim McElwain naming uh, redshirt freshman Felipe Franks the starting quarterback yeah. six foot six two hundred and twenty pound quarterback uh, not sure I guess you know Malik Zaire maybe not aware of the situation but now basically a backup here entering his senior season and really going to squander any kind of final hopes that he had in terms of getting an NFL look. I just don't get it. Why he didn't go to LSU who can never find a quarterback. But uh, yeah, it's, they really didn't research this. And I think good for Florida watching the spring game. Felipe Franks looked fine. I don't know why they had to go outside of the system, and this guy knows McIlwain's scheme. I, I think that better for the Gators, bad for Zaire. Uh, I, you're right, Rick. I don't know why he didn't research this a little bit more. And then also, I don't know why he didn't do this earlier in the process. He was taking forever and a day to pick the right. school. And I, I think that was what really hurt him here. It's just uh, whoever is helping him make decisions, uh, read a book. Get wise, <laughs> like you know. Th- there's a certain schedule things have to happen in, and I just feel bad for Zaire there. Like you mentioned, he's just going to sit there and uh, watch Franks, and he's going to be dependent on an injury. Mm. Uh, one last question about this matchup, Joe. Before we move on from it, just curious to get your perspective because 
you know, we don't really talk odds much here. I know you do the Bang the Books podcast, so check out that. We always promote that on the NFL Draft Bible Twitter handle. The Bang the Books podcast does a great job. Joe's also a guest over there. But, you know, this is a game where I can see potential trouble for the Gators. And just looking at where this point spread is trending, it's gone from like two and a half to three to four. I think the Wolverines are now five-point favorites when it's all said and done. By the time this game kicks off, I could see them being a touchdown or more favorite. I could see, despite all the departures, 24 players, graduating seniors, uh, I don't know. I see the Wolverines maybe blowout city here. The Wolverines side, you're returning a quarterback that, that started a bunch of games, played through injuries, a tough SOB, and everyone talks about those offensive linemen they lost. Well, where are they now, and did they get drafted? Uh, the real talent's still there in Mason Cole, Ben Breedison. you got John Runyon's kid coming up and starting for him. So they've got a bunch of four- and five-stars. They've just been dying to get into the starting lineup, and we mentioned him. I think Rashawn Gary is really going to have his coming-out party this year. So, yeah, Harbaugh's he's stocked the cupboards. They're locked and loaded, and I think, yeah, this is going to be a situation where Florida just lost a little bit too much, and uh, not to dwell on an underclassman, but losing Callaway. And Callaway in general, some of the things he's done this off season, the red flags that are popping up, I'm so disappointed in what is, I think, an all-world talent player. It's just, uh, kid, if you're listening, straighten up, act right, and uh, this is it. This is the last season. So a very unfortunate suspension for him and then also for the Gators. He's irreplaceable. He's thrown a touchdown, caught a touchdown, ran a touchdown, returned a touchdown. I mean, he does it all. And uh, losing a player that just changes the game for you and adds that extra element, I mean, they're just missing an entire arm from a fighter, basically. They're, they're going to be in a, a, an ass-kicking contest with one leg. Yeah, it's going to be uh, quite an intriguing matchup, as is this Florida State-Alabama um, matchup, Joe, where Alabama does enter a touchdown favorite. Florida State coming into uh, Crimson Tide territory. And, you know, listen, I know we've we've kind of, gone through a lot of these Alabama prospects through our positional series shows. They do have a lot of senior prospects. I mean, guys like Deshaun Hand on the defensive line, the linebackers, uh, Deion Sean Hamilton and Rashawn Evans, who, you know, you could flip a coin, you know, different people think either uh, linebacker might be the top senior linebacker prospect in the country. Uh, and then the corners, Tony Brown and Anthony Averett, I mean, are really expected uh, to compete for potential first-round slotting. Uh, one guy, you know, we haven't mentioned too much about uh, is wide receiver Robert Foster, Joe. And I don't think we've had any Alabama guys in the college that are in showcase just because they seem to be in this college football playoff every year. But Foster was a guy that was really explosive on the scene, uh, dealt with some injuries there throughout his career, and now uh, enters his senior season where, you know, he could be as high as a day two pick or possibly an undrafted guy, but uh, any comments here on these Alabama prospects? Well, uh, that's another guy. Robert Foster's just spent too much time on the trainer's table, and it's unfortunate because he arrived at Tuscaloosa as, a, uh, I think, at least a four-star. I mean, they, the people really expected some big things at him, but he's got a chance as a senior to do something before he leaves down. Uh, either way, if he doesn't, he's still a nice, long prospect. He's got the prototype height and great ball skills that I've seen. It's just that, that we'd like a little bit more footage, Mr. Foster. So uh, I still think he's on the map. And, yeah, maybe he doesn't uh, go to the college football championship. We may see him in, in some sort of all-star game. The other guy, though, uh, Bradley Bozeman, the center of action he saw was last year. He gets in, starts all the games, named third-team all-conference. So a uh, really good experience for him. And going up against uh, big Derek Noddy and, and Demarcus Christmas, that's going to be a, a big-time matchup. Just this whole offensive line versus Florida State defensive line. is. I mean, if you're not DVR in this, I don't know what you're thinking. Uh, you brought up hand. Sean Deshaun Hamilton, uh, Anthony Averett is my favorite corner uh, damn near on this team. He is the definition of past. I think he lives at the heart to torment receivers. So that kid, big fan of him. And then, hey, punters are people too, Rick. J.K. Scott, 
all American, six foot five. I think he's Aussie born. I think, unfortunately, he's a lock for the Senior Bowl. That Dagon uh, Auburn kicker Carson and J.K. Scott, the punter Alabama. I mean, I think you could just ink that uh, for their position. <laughs> but uh, still, this Scott has done it, and he's done it well. Uh, there's a reason why Alabama controls the points per game on defense, and it's because they have great special teams, namely Scott. I think he is worth. Call me crazy, Rick. I think he's worth a top 100 pick, just like that uh, kicker Anger, the the punter that uh, the Buccaneers drafted. I think he's a better punter uh, than Anger was coming out. So that's as far as Alabama seniors to know, uh, let's not forget about J.K. Scott, and then I like that senior, Bozeman. Yeah, I, I don't think the Bucks want to hear about any kickers being drafted anytime. <laughs> 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 The uh, the Bradley Bozeman kid is intriguing, though, who you mentioned, because when you think about it, not too many Alabama offensive line prospects staying for their full uh, four seasons. So despite maybe the lack of playing time, like you mentioned, the experience, you, you know you're going you're gonna to get a pretty polished overall prospect here. Absolutely, and there's nothing wrong with having to wait behind Ryan Kelly, who was a fabulous player and is now uh, was well, injured now, but he's snapping for the Indianapolis Colts and was a first rounder. I mean, I'm sorry, I had to sit behind a first rounder for a couple of years, so no fault on Bozeman there at all. No doubt about it. Now, uh, on the Florida State side of the ball, more senior prospects. Uh, Matt Thomas, I think. Um, has had a recent injury, and I believe I saw he's going to actually be ruled out for this game. I'm not 100% on that, but Trey Marshall, uh, the strong safety there for Florida State, playing alongside Derwin James. Uh, They have a defensive end by the name of Rick Leonard up front that is on the radar. And then some guys that uh, cracked our NFL draft Bible prospectus, uh, you know, we had on the positional watch. Anyway, not, not the top 100, but we had quite a few guys on the positional side of the ball. And um, I think Matt Thomas might've been our highest rated guy. I'm just scrolling through our list here on the fly because I know our guy, Justin Gamble was going to drop the hammer on him with the the Seminoles, but Derek Nottie, there's a guy that you mentioned um, who could potentially compete for a first round pick, but uh, possibly a top 100 overall grade. We'll see what his size official size comes out to be. Joe, but uh, any prospects here that you like on the Seminole side? Uh, Do you name that? Uh, you're right. Thomas has got an injury. It's some kind of illness, so uh, they're they're saying he they expect him back for the game, but that could last. So who knows about kickoff? Still, Derek Nottie. I think the guy has just progressed every year active hands and really does a great job of keeping his eyes on the quarterback when he's rushing and he knows when to kind of bail on that pass just get those big mitts up and bat a pass he's just really talented at that so uh they just love his style he's just a big old load to redirect when he gets that weight going so i think that's one of his big strengths is as a pass rusher getting up the field and yeah the matchup here is uh, it's at a premium for Nadi. If he has a big game here, that's going right at the front of his footage, going against Bozeman, Cotton, uh, Pierce Bacher on that interior. Uh, Nadi's probably geared up for a big old game. And then Trey Marshall, he's a hothead. Uh, he's on our safety show. I wanted to get to him just because he, he closes so fast. And uh, he really does, uh, I, mean, I would call him vocal, to say the least, on the field. So you may have to worry about a little laundry chasing him around, but he makes plays. Uh, his recovery speed is legitimate, and that's another senior on this team that he may not be the star. Uh, we're talking about Derwin James and, you know, the, the Travis McFadden, but he's a glue guy that really makes up plays and, and, and just he, he's that Band-Aid in the back half that those other guys wouldn't want to admit it, but they really are thankful he's there. Yeah, one last guy on that Florida State team. You know, we mentioned Janarian Grant from Rutgers. Well, his cousin, you love the bloodlines, Joe, Jacob Pugh from Florida State. Uh, he's kind of played this hybrid role, defensive end, linebacker. Uh, ACC honorable mention just a year ago. So at six foot three, 235 pounds, most likely uh, an outside linebacker, you know, at the next level. And uh, a day three uh, priority free agent and hey if the Seminoles lose here that he could very well be on the Cosgrid Iron Showcase it's going to be hard 
for, you know, to start off the season. I guess if you are going to lose the game, the best one to lose is the first game of the season, Joe. But, you know, at the same time, I don't think any two-loss team has ever made the college football playoffs. So you're kind of putting yourself in a hole here where now you're forced to run the table. Alabama comes in as a strong favorite to uh, win the national championship, seven-point favorite here. How do you see this game playing out? I think Alabama's going to get the best of them here. Uh, it's it's so funny on these openers when Nick Saban gets all that time to prepare. And, and we look at, well, there's a lot of athleticism. Just like last year, USC, they've got all the talent. They've recruited. They've got the line. It was 52 to what? Uh, I kind of see one of these reality checks after saving the offseason, losing that game bitterly to Clemson, just within their reach. I think that's something he's not going to let those guys forget. I Remember when they lost the game to A&M, he he, he just had that playing on a loop all offseason in the workout room. I think there's probably another video of uh, Hunter Renfro on that crosser in the end zone for the final play of the game playing on a loop. So, uh, I expect a motivated team from Tuscaloosa here. And uh, as talented as this uh, Florida State team is, uh, I just don't know if they're going to be able to keep pace and consistently score. Uh, I'm honestly looking for a high-scoring game. I mean, whatever that total is, it's still at 49 and a half, 50, whatever. Uh, these are two experienced returning quarterbacks that know how to put points up on the board and are surrounded with a little bit of talent. So I think uh, – Marquee game late night, a lot of fireworks. Alabama comes out on top, um, maybe by double digits. Yeah, I tend to agree with you there. You mentioned saving the preparation. I think it was like 62 nothing with that USC blowout. Uh, Landon Collins hmm. was funny when I spoke to him in the offseason, said hopefully you know, the Florida State fans are smarter than the USC fans and don't talk all that trash. But, um, you know, <laughs> Joe – it's going to be fun, 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 a fun week of action. And, of course, tonight I'll be on location as we uh, get the FCS report uh, presented by Premier Athlete Advisors. Check out premierathleteadvisors.com for all you players getting ready to enter the NFL draft, looking for some uh, top-notch up-and-coming agents. Adam and Matt over there at premierathleteadvisors.com and the FCS report. Joe, as I mentioned, I'll be at Wagner where, you know, our eyes are really looking ahead at this quarterback, Alex Thompson, who is academically a senior, but football-wise technically is a redshirt junior, has another year of eligibility left. But at the same time, they have a three-year starter, three-time all-conference performer, Matt Diaz entering his fourth year there at the left tackle position. We're going to take a good up-close look at him. Wide receiver uh, John Williams, he's a transfer from UCF. He's about six feet three, six foot four. Uh, really a, a, a jump ball, a red zone, high point kind of guy. He had seven touchdowns last year. I had a chance to watch uh, Wagner practice earlier in the season. I want to see some better uh, footwork and route running tonight when I see him in some game action, but probably – the top prospect, in my opinion, in terms of seniors on this Wagner Seahawks program is John Williams. I believe he's a Texas native. Uh, Jordan Baskerville, defensive lineman. Greg Sanat, offensive lineman. Two other guys I would be keeping an eye on. We'll post the updates and scouting reports on NFLDraftBible.com. And they have a six foot six wide receiver there that just started playing football. Um, his senior year of high school, not a whole heck of a lot of experience, but he's six foot six, has a 40 inch vertical. Shaq Scott, not saying he's a legit prospect, just a guy I'm going to keep an eye out on. But at the FCS level, Joe, as you know, you really don't know unless you go and watch them up close and in person and see them for yourself because, you know, evaluating FCS guys on film or YouTube highlights is just a hard thing to do because of the level of competition, when you go see them up close and you see the game speed with your own eyes, you tend to make better judgments, better decision-making. And that's what I'm looking forward to in tonight's FCS matchup. Who is your FCS matchup that you're keeping an eye on? Well, uh, the, the running back I brought up from Western uh, Carolina, when a running back showed to Trez Newsom, uh, just loved his footage that I was able to see. So they've got a game at Hawaii 
that'll be at least some kind of challenge. I know Hawaii's not the greatest defense, but this is the jump in competition for him. So I'm, I'm excited. Every chance Detrez Newsom has had, he has stepped up to the plate against Division One teams. Uh, Tennessee the other year. Um, I, I'm just uh, expecting a big game here. Uh, now it's a tough plane ride. There's something to think about going all the way from Carolinas down to the island and out west. Uh, interesting how they all kind of handle that jet lag. But expecting to get big game out of Detrez and then just looking at the Western Carolina team, I guess they've got a cornerback that is second team also con as well, uh, Keon Crossan. Listed at 5'11", he looks an awful lot shorter in the game. So uh, I'm going to be scoping him out against this Hawaii team. And I know you're going to break down a little bit of Hawaii, but uh, I'll be interested how Crossan deals with this big old tight end, uh, Metatuisela Unga. I-, I got to see him a little bit in that first game, and uh, I'd like <laughs> to see a little bit more. And uh, one, one more game, because I know this is your guy, Rick, and you're going to be watching him for sure, but our, our Chase Edmonds from, from Fordham, they're going to be at oh, yeah. Army, a quality defense. That this, this game, I'm expecting a slobber knocker, and Edmonds has got his work cut out for him here, so that's going to be a big challenge for him. He's, uh, I know he's on a lot of small school radars, but he's one of those kids, Rick, and I know you'd agree. It's just, he's just fun to watch. I'll pop in a game of his anytime. I mean, give me some popcorn, I'm set. Yeah, no, I I love this player, and uh, I actually had a chance to see him run against Navy last year, and that was, I think, the only game that he didn't go over 100 yards. Uh, He ran the ball 18 times for 70 yards. Otherwise, you know, every other game he was over the century mark, well over the century mark, uh, including that 359-yard rushing performance against Lafayette last year. So, you know, I I was joking on on the scouting call a couple weeks back you know, I sprained my finger, you know, poking this guy on his shoulder, tapping his shoulder. You know, that's just how <laughs> cut and jacked up this guy is. So I'm a big fan of Chase Edmonds. Um, you mentioned Hawaii and UMass. And, you know, quickly we'll touch base on the the week zero. There was five games last week. I was scheduled uh, to head up there to UMass and take in the game in person. Unfortunately, had a family medical emergency, did not make it up to the game. But by the time I got out of the hospital where I was all day, I was able to catch the live stream. And since I did so much advanced scouting, I really was able to take in this game and combine my notes from the game with the advanced scouting I did leading up to the game. I'll post all my scouting reports on the website. But the the, the two guys that stood out to me in this game were on the Hawaii side of the ball, Dejon Allen, who – you know, is an unorthodox offensive lineman. I say that because he stands, he starts off in a two-point stance. He never has his hand in the dirt. Therefore, he's taller, up higher than the rest of the linemen on both sides of the ball. Uh, he did not make any mistakes, did not even allow a pressure. Uh, this guy has really, I think, allowed one sack in his entire career. He's a four-year starter. Very impressive work, uh, very impressive resume. How he transitions to the NFL you know, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm not sure, but, I, I mean, it's hard not to like his athleticism, uh, good flexibility, waist bend, hip bend. Nothing I don't like about it except for the fact, like I said, he starts off in, the, in uh, a, a two-point stance. And then on UMass, we discussed him on the tight end show, Adam Brenneman. You know, listen, he is not an elite prospect, but he is a top prospect at his position. I want to see better route running. Uh, he just has a knack for finding the open seam. I think he had 179 receiving yards in this game. He just kept getting open and kept finding the open spot. That is probably his greatest attribute. But, you know, he needs to get a little bit stronger and and, and polish off the blocking. You know, the blocking is he's very willing. He's very aggressive. At times it's sloppy. Uh, I want to see him more fundamentally polished, sound up, you know, some of those rough edges. He gets a little bit lazy. Instead of completing the block, he'll kind of just lounge at the guy. I, I want to see him eliminate that. And, um, you know, Metasula Unga, the tight end you mentioned, had the game-winning catch. Uh, UMass was winning most of this game. I think the the last catch there made it, you know, something crazy, 53, you know, 59, 56, 53, 46. It was a high-scoring game. 
but again, I'll have more in-depth, more players. Deshaun Downey from UMass, an under-the-radar guy who I've been told uh, a handful of scouts have been in to see this guy, Deshaun Downey, if you were looking for an under-the-radar edge prospect. And uh, from my understanding, five NFL teams, a senior bowl scout and a CFL scout in attendance at that Hawaii UMass game, Joe. Um, getting down to the nitty-gritty here, any thoughts and impressions from, from last week's uh, action at all? Well, the game I really got a chance to kind of get into was Oregon State at Colorado State before I had to book out for a concert. But uh, I'm not telling the listeners anything new. Michael Gallup's a real athlete. Uh, just uh, one play in particular that I caught – he adjusted to an off-target pass. I mean, he had his corner beat. He spots the ball just outside of his left uh, helmet there, realizing it's going to the far hash to his right. He turns his body, uh, uh, turns his head, loses the ball, changes his path. Then he relocates the ball in the sun and hauls it in over the shoulder on his right. Uh, just that kind of balance, the rare athleticism, the readjustments, the location, it's it's all there, and uh, one little bit of research, I don't know why I even remember stuff like this, Rick, but the guy is Juco, went to Coffeyville Community College and was teammates with uh, Kansas State receiver Byron Pringle there, so Coffeyville, man, <laughs> shout out to your program, you are putting kids out that can play ball, and uh, yeah, Michael Gallup, he's, he's, there's no question he's getting drafted, Nick Stevens, however, I was not as impressed with the uh, Placement's a bit of an issue, and I, I will say he's a gamer. I like what he does. He took some gnarly shots and just got right back up. So there's no question he's a tough SOB. And uh, some things to like about him is this offense, is, he comes from Mike Bobo. They've run all kinds of multiple sets. There's a lot of 12, 22 personnel, a bunch of tights, jumbo packages, and what he's doing is taking snaps from under center. A lot of quarterbacks simply don't do that nowadays. So uh, there's some things to like about him. I'm thinking maybe Stevens might be more of a priority free agent. Uh, we shall see. And then I really like their center, uh, Jake Bennett, another guy, all-conference player, really does a good job understanding the angles, walling people off and just assignment. He's not going to declete anybody or, or a consistently pancake folks, but what he is going to do is get right in position where he needs to be while his man off from the play and just seal enough of it to, to get his running back that breathing room. So uh, Jake Bennett, I don't know where he falls in the draft, but definitely a player you need to watch. Uh, big fan of this Colorado State offense. Mike Bobo, uh, one heck of a coach. No doubt about it. <clears throat> That's Joe Everett. Never leaving a stone unturned. I'm Rick Saratella telling you like it is here on the Codswood Iron Showcase and Symposium. We're going to go get a parting shot from Joe, but before we do, I just want to remind everybody that uh, we're on location across the nation. I'll be at about two dozen games here on the college football docket. It kicks off tonight. I'll be at Wagner checking in some FCS action. Then tomorrow we're going to follow it up with the Washington Huskies at Rutgers Scarlet Knights. And then Saturday I'll be driving out to uh, State College over there, Penn State University, as they take on the Akron Zips. So, you know, we're going to get our full scale of MAC, Big Ten, FCS, all levels of football. And that's what is so great about the College Gridiron Showcase and Symposium, the most diverse all-star event on the planet. Check it out, cgsallstar.com. And it's time for the Defiance Fuel Water parting shots of the day, brought to you by defiancefuel.com. Check out defiancefuel.com. Defy your limitations. Joe, parting shot for the people here. Well, this is the beginning of the marquee, so I would like to bid a welcome back, UAB. Uh, the Blazers, now two years off. They've been scrimmaging all of last season, haven't played a real game in two full years. They're going to play hard. So Alabama A&M, I would look out. Uh, they've been waiting for this moment for quite a while. Uh, it's tough to get the money managed. Uh, some, some schools, believe it or not, have a higher cost of the program than they do revenue. So this is one of those things that was a, a tough decision, a balancing act that the athletic director and the school is making. So UAB, I'm glad you made the sacrifice, not only those kids that want to play ball, but the fans that miss the program. So uh, welcome back to UAB. And also, 
Welcome to the show, Coastal Carolina. The Chanticleers are back. Uh, they'll be in action this Saturday against the UMass Minutemen we just brought up. Another good game that, hey, uh, Coastal, they've been dominant in less, against lesser competition. They're dying to get in on this. They've uh, really redshirted a lot of kids just to get ready for this season. So, uh, yeah, look out for those Chanticleers and those Blazers for the first time this Sunday or Saturday, rather. Oh, yeah. No, looking forward to that. Uh, we missed you, UAB, and uh, definitely a, a lot of players in the NFL keeping that UAB, UAB name alive as if they never left. And, uh, you know, my parting shot uh, for this episode today here is just be careful with the media draft next and anointing franchise quarterbacks. And, you know, I say this because I take a look at everybody's very quick to anoint Josh Allen, the top quarterback in the draft, and maybe deservingly so. But this player is extremely raw and, as it stands today, is not going to be the number one overall pick. But maybe he will develop into that. But my beef is probably more so with Mason Rudolph continuously popping up into the first-round conversation. And, you know, it's okay to disagree. I'm just saying be careful because this draftnik media business industry is a real copycat type of thing. And, you know, my 17th year on the circuit, seeing how it goes, one person says it, and then everybody starts saying it. And then all these draft sites that have popped out from the woodworks say, hey, well, you know, if CBS Sports said it, well, then it must be true. And Mason Rudolph being a first-round quarterback, again, is just not true. And, you know, you could take a look back. I remember Matt Barkley was going to be anointed as the number one pick. It didn't quite work out that way. I remember Chad Kelly was going to be a first-round pick didn't quite work out that way. So just be careful with who is giving you this advice because it's not the same advice that the NFL shares and it's not the same opinions. And that is why the NFL draft business is so intriguing, so fascinating because there's no method to the madness. There's no proven formula. And if there was, that person would be retired by now and a billionaire a billion times over. But, because opinions vary so much, because the style of playing the college level has changed in recent years, it's just to be undetermined. So proceed with caution. Be careful what you listen to. And just understand that quarterback is a very complicated position. So just like Josh Rosen was all set to be the next big thing, and he still might be. As you can see, we're all just an injury away from being day-to-day. I was your host, Rick Saratella. I was joined by Joe Everett. Shout-out to Justin Gamble and Chris Shanafel, who couldn't make it here with us today. And, of course, Jose Jefferson, the co-founder of the College Gridiron Showcase, who joined us early on the show. Uh, Check us out on iTunes. Please like us, share us, subscribe us. We're here on Blog Talk Radio as well. Of course, we'll be having all of our reports and on-location scouting filed on the website at NFLDraftBible.com. We appreciate you all for listening and tuning in. We'll be back next Thursday here at noon Eastern. Can't wait, baby.